Fakakta Comedy Funhouse Network. <laughs> before your funeral, before you are buried, before you are covered with the last shovel of dirt, be sure to check out the B-Movie Breakdown. Oh, my God. It's a weekly podcast where we find the humor and enjoyment in awesomely bad films of the past and present. Home of the good, the bad, the what the fuck. Each week's movie will be revealed in the prior episode so you two can join in on the madness. Mad. You can listen to us on our website, bnbpodcast.com, or on iTunes and any other podcast app you may have. Anyone. Each episode drops every Wednesday right here on the FCF Network. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Blow. My name is Sam Zelensky, and it's time to get blown. Dave is not here because he can't be bothered with such awesome things. But it's been a long time coming, and I have a dear friend. Uh, she's a nerd. She plays D&D. She went to Rockford to play D&D. So that's a thing. She's also way smarter than most people I know. And she's Lady Indiana Jones. So without further ado, Nikki D. Hello. So, what's up, lady? How are things? Things are good. Yeah? Yeah. So this is your first podcast. Sure is. Never been interviewed. Nope. So you're nervous. A little bit. Why? I don't know. You've seen me throw up. No, you've never seen me throw up. You've seen me drunk. Yes. seen me make a fool of myself. I don't know about that, have I? I don't know. Seen people make a fool of me? That's, that's probably that's... true. <laughs> so, okay. You are a what? You have a smart degree in shit, right? I am working on my PhD in archaeology. Yeah, that's right, kids. She is smarter than all of you. Technically, it's in anthropology, but my specialty is archaeology. All right. So, when I was a kid, I saw Indiana Jones. And I went to my parents and said, I want to do that. And they bought me this little dinosaur set. And inside the dinosaur, there was, like, sand and, like, Ripped up papers, like shredded to look like dirt and shit. You had to dig through them, find all the dinosaur bones, and then you had to put the dinosaurs together. Sweet. You know, That's, you know that that is not archaeology. Hold on, I'm getting to that. That's okay. about as far as I got with it. Where did that start for you? Uh, well, I had no ambitions as a kid of being an archaeologist. I wanted to be a lot of things, but that was definitely not on the list. I think anything that required a degree was sort of out, uh, mostly because I didn't think I would have the money to go to college. Um, After going to a very specialized, really difficult high school and realizing that... uh, If I didn't go, I was kind of wasting all of the efforts that I had put in there. I was kind of like, all right, I guess I'll go to college. It's better than waitressing at Denny's, which is what I was doing at the time. Wait, what Denny's? (laughs) The one in Norwich. No, not Norwich. Um, On Harlem? Wait, I know that. I I frequented that Denny's. Yeah, so did I. That's how I ended up working there. (laughs) (laughs) So we used to... No, it was the River Road one. Sorry. We used to go to Denny's, smoke cigarettes, play chess, and only order sodas in the back corner booth. Yep, that's uh, that's about right. I think that's most Denny's. Uh, I used to sit there and drink coffee all night and BS with people, pretty much. That was it. And then I was just like, I guess I need a job, because I was um, about to be finished with... I finished high school early. Of course so. you did. <laughs> Of course you did. So, well, I, I was kind of done at the time. I was in bands. I wanted to do more band stuff and be a tattoo artist. And then after working full-time at Denny's for a couple months, I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to college because this blows. So I uh, ended up at Northeastern because it was the last place accepting um, applications. <laughs> and I didn't have to write an essay, so I was excited <coughs> about that. Um, 
And I pretty much at that point had just figured like, well, I don't really know what I want to do. I don't know what I'm going to do with my degree. What the hell is a bachelor's degree worth anyway these um, days? I can answer that nothing. Especially yeah. when and you I have mean, one in cinematography. And given that was like 10 years ago almost yeah. at this point. You know what I mean? Even back then I was like, there, this is going nowhere fast. And in the middle of everything, we had the economic crisis. But anyway, even before that though, I had already decided I wanted to do archaeology. But it was sort of like a starting off intro classes ended up majoring in anthro and philosophy. I had no intention of doing anything with my degree, to be honest. I just like liked it. And I had an opportunity to go do a field school for archaeology in Belize for a month. I, for the most part, like did not know how I was going to deal with that. Like my whole life, I couldn't even kill a house spider. Uh, like I couldn't sleep if I saw one in the house. I'd have to have somebody else come kill it. So I was like, but I saw this opportunity, like, you know, just a poster, a flyer on the wall, you know, one month field school in the jungle to do Mayan archaeology. And I was like, I don't know that I care about doing Mayan archaeology, but that sounds awesome. And that like an opportunity I can't really pass up. I might as well do that stuff now before I finish my degree and, you know, end up just being a working guy for the rest of my life. So I was like, all right, I mean, how many people do I, especially being a musician and all this other stuff, friends are touring. I had toured once or twice, and it was sort of like, man, I have a lot of friends that do cool stuff, but I don't know anybody that does something that insane. So I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to go do this. And, you know, came home, told my mom and my dad, and they were just, I mean, you know, separately. My parents were not together. Uh, and they, were, they both kind of looked at me like, you're kidding, Cat. right? No, I'm not kidding. Oh, like, the look. No, yeah. Yes, no. No, yeah, they were like, uh, you can't even kill a house spider. How do you think you're going to live in a tent in a jungle for a month? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still dying. It's okay. So I went and, you know, was a, a shock at first. But I sort of, like, immediately loved it. Once I got over, like all of the things that were biting me and the fact that you should never wear flip-flops in a rainforest. Okay, hold on. Stop right there for just a minute. What? How is that not common sense? You're in a jungle. You got Axel Rose welcoming you when you show up. <laughs> and you're like, I'm just going to wear flip-flops because I'm well, Nikki D. It's what I do. For the most part, we like when we're, we have like a camp. It's a field yeah. camp, a research station, basically. Uh it's in northwestern Belize, so it's like right in the corner, in the northwest corner. Like almost, you could almost, if you stand on a high enough hill, you can see Guatemala on one side and Mexico on the All other right. side. I, you answered my yeah, next yeah. question. It was like for the, <laughs> for the less geologically inclined folks, which is all 700 people that listen to this show, <laughs> where the hell is that? But you've answered that question, so never mind. Yeah, it's on the Gulf Coast in Central America, which okay. is not South America. Not it South is, America. Yeah, so it's, it's in the between middle. Mexico and. Uh, it's on the what we call the Yucatan Peninsula. It's a sort of little peninsula that sticks out on the Gulf. I've been there. That's where I got raped by a dolphin. Oh. And I had to punch it. That sounds like a horrible it's experience. A, it was. It was terrible. Oh. Yes. I've I've never I've never never been. never swim with dolphins. It's the worst right. thing ever. Like they're super friendly and then they hump your leg and then you have to punch it and then you feel bad because you're the victim of this tragedy so you give it a fish. <laughs> <laughs> I will keep that in mind. I'll stick to sharks. <laughs> also, I had a fight with a shark. <laughs> wow, okay. So I was in the Grand Cayman, which is far, which now, thanks to Irma, doesn't exist. Um, which we almost got rid of Florida, so I was almost happy about that. <laughs> like, hey, I have a lot of friends in Florida. So do I. All of mine checked in. But we almost got rid of Florida, which would also put this show at a great loss because that's 90% of what we talk about there's things popping in my apartment that i don't know where they came from anyway florida does a lot of weird shit like a super lot of weird shit and so we make fun of them for it i haven't been there enough to to comment oh we just find it on the internet i mean just read look up fart go to fark.com and just, there's a whole section dedicated to the dumb shit florida does i will keep that in mind should it's very fun um but no i was in the grand cayman islands and i was uh, snorkeling and it was like 60 feet down, and I was probably about six or seven feet, right? This is before I smelt, and when I was in a shape, that isn't the one I'm in now. <laughs> um, and I came around this reef, and right in my face was a shark. Now, I grew up watching Jaws, 
So in my mind, I'm going to die. It was like a little reef shark about that big. Yeah, I've conquered uh, I've conquered the spider one and scorpions and stuff. Sharks sh- is the next one on the list. There's shit in Belize that will like kill you if they attack. Like yeah, but it's not as giant much- bird eating tarantulas. Yeah, it's not the things people think though. Like that's not really a. I mean, I guess if you're like a child or elderly, maybe or it just get most of the problem is people just like bees. People have a reaction to okay. it, so it's not necessarily that it's not like even a black widow where like, um, you know, you get bit and it's like you probably should find some anti venom or actually black widows aren't really suck even that the bad. poison out, Bob. Yeah, it's not, not between the dick. Just suck it out. It's mostly just people having bad allergic yeah. reactions and or things getting super infected, because you know if you think about it, like if you get some kind of flesh wound, the the thing they tell you is like. Keep it clean and dry. How exactly do you do that in a jungle? Especially if it's on your effing foot. And you're wearing flip-flops. And you're, well, that's, that's why you don't wear flip-flops, as I found out. <laughs> did you really get bit by one of these things and almost die? Is that a no, thing? No, I didn't story? almost die, oh. but I did get bit in the foot by a lot of things because I was wearing flip-flops like an idiot. I mean, it's not like I wore them all the time, but generally when you're walking around camp, it's not a problem. I However, would wear flip-flops. I will go barefoot downstairs, but I will not wear flip-flops at all, period. Well, okay. Like, I don't need That's toe thongs. That's a personal thongs. choice. It's a very personal choice. The, but in any case, there, a lot of the times, it's easier. Because, like, really, you don't know what kind of shoes to bring with you. And it's kind of a pain to put on your hiking boots. Okay, so let me contextualize a little bit. We have a research camp, right? Yes. But in order to... And we have really amazing cooks that work there. Um, they are fantastic, but they have to get up at three in the morning to cook for a camp of like up. It gets upwards of like 120 people. So they have to get up in three in the morning to cook us breakfast so that we can be out in the field by like 630 or seven o'clock. Okay. So in my mind's eye, this is, mm-hmm. this is for as long as I've known you and known about you going, I pictured it like four people in the jungle, not 120 people. No, I mean, realistically, I think I was only at camp once when it was that crowded. Usually it's about 80 people. That's but still it's, a good amount of people. Like, you have a buddy yeah, system. Yes, that. yeah, you ha- that's, exa- that's exactly right. So they have to go to, we have, like, a quiet downtime, basically, at 8.30 where you can't talk. Like, you can whisper a little bit. In the morning? No, at night, at oh. night. Like, so the cooks can go to sleep. Gotcha. 8.30, people can still talk, but you have to talk very quietly. And then 9 o'clock, it's lights out, no talking at all. So if people want to continue their conversations and so forth... They go... Well, what's the and so forth? Maybe have a beer, maybe Getting freaky yeah. well, in the jungle. I'm not going to say that doesn't happen, but gross. Um, <laughs> gross. Dude, so sweaty, so sweaty. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, well, you know, some people like it hot smells. and passionate. You don't even know how bad people can smell until you're in a situation like that. I've been to Comic-Con. Yes, I do. That's a good point. Anyway, <laughs> so, you know, generally... If you're kind of carrying on, you, you end up having to go down the road. So you hike out to, like, the main the main road and walk about what ends up being a mile down so that you can talk at, like, a normal volume without anybody in camp hearing you. Um, so usually when, when we would go out to the road, you can see what's on the road. Yeah. So it's not so much of an issue. You know, the, the road is bright white. So it's pretty easy, even if you don't have a flashlight on and you're that stupid, to see what's on the road. Um, that said, I would never encourage doing that. Uh, Sounds like there's a story in however, there. However, if you have to pee, then you have to go off to the side of the road and step into just low grass. And sometimes, when you've had one too many beers, you forget to check what's at your feet. And so sometimes you step on things and or things crawl on you while you're peeing. Mm. Yeah. So there's a story in there somewhere. Yeah, pretty much that was the story. What uh, was it? It, tra- it was a tarantula. But I'd gotten nailed by a couple scorpions that year, too. Oh. I just was really not smart that year. What was your first year? It was my first year. I don't do that anymore. I don't even wear... I always wear thick, long pants to the road now as well because... Sand fleas from the road and mosquitoes and whatnot. Like, I'd come back looking like a plague victim because my legs just would get toe up. So, okay. 
So you're in college. You yeah. see the sign. You go to Belize. Belize was awesome. Belize you is have, awesome. You get attacked by bugs. Mm-hmm. You don't get terrorists. Like, you don't have, someone doesn't call your parents. Your parents go, I don't have a lot of money, but I have a specialized skill. So there's no, none of that's that. No, that's not really an issue in Belize. And like, I think that's sort of an overblown issue most places where people think it's a problem. Um, it's like the the chances of something like that happening anywhere is like getting hit by a car, and you still walk in the street and go in the car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, it's not likely, and Belize especially is pretty pretty tourist friendly. Is, okay. As long as you're not an idiot. But I mean, if you're an idiot anywhere, I mean, we live in freaking Chicago. There's lots of idiots. Yeah, I mean, lots of lots doesn't of take idiots. even being an idiot here to have something happen. <laughs> All right, so. Belize happens, you mm-hmm. come back, and so, like, you were never interested in Mayan culture, you're just like, I'm, or, did, like, was there a fascination? Well, beforehand? so at that point, you know, in order to go on that trip, yeah. we had to take, like, one of two required classes. Uh, one was intro to archaeology, which I had not taken yet, and the other was uh, the hardest class that was taught in the anthro department, which was um, the ancient Maya, which was an archaeology class. Yeah. And I took the ancient Maya the semester before. Did you know it was the hardest class? Yeah, people had told me. They tried to forewarn me not to take that class. And I was like, bring it on, bitches. I went to a really hard high school. So far, college is an effing cakewalk. What what high school did you go to? Northside College Prep. I don't know what that is. I went to a public school. We didn't have... It was a public school, but it was a magnet school. Ah. Um, For those of us who don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's, an, it's a, basically a school that you test to get into. And that one has been ranked top in the state and one of the top in the country for, like, since it's, since it's opened in, what, 2000, 1999? It would have to be in the yeah, 90s. Yeah, 1999. It opened the year before I, I started there. Okay. So it was a brand new school. It was very, um, very difficult. It was a... A significant jump from the Chicago public grade school that, to that high school. but um, Now, did you pick that school, or is it just like your parents, your folks were like, nope, you're just going to go to that because you're smart and we're going to just focus on uh, it? It was a threat. Uh, my mom said, basically, she's like, well, she wanted me to go to a Catholic school. I'd already sort of gotten politely asked not to come back or discouraged Why from would going back anyone to... want you to not go back to a catholic school <laughs> uh <laughs> i had some falling outs with like some of the nuns and some of the students and some of the, as any intelligent yeah human being so does. it's i was you know girl stuff like mean girls style stuff so i ended up just not going back there and transferring to a public school and so when high school came around, it was like, well, if you're not going to go, I can't put you in a Catholic school because you'll just get kicked out. I'm like, that's true. Um, so my mom was basically like, well, either you get into this new school uh, or you we're moving to the suburbs. And I was like, um. What? Yeah. Mason, get down. Because she's kind of from this old sort of way of thinking that like Catholic schools are better than public schools. Because I guess when she was growing up, that may or may not have been the case. I don't know. Uh, but that was sort of like a bias of hers yeah. from like, you know, the olden days, as it were. And so she really wanted me to go to Catholic school. And I was like, hell no. So ended up at Northside. I mean, so I actually tried really hard to get in there, <laughs> which, you know, was the equivalent of taking a test. And it was fine. But yeah. not a lot of people from my school got in. So it was, there you go. yeah, it was cool to get in, I guess. I regretted it immediately once I saw it. The homework was like my first year, but... For those of us who didn't do homework, what is homework? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't. I did no homework in high school. I should have tried harder. I probably would have been causing more successful. Yeah, I Doubtful. was an overachiever. Go figure. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I, you know, got into this class, and I didn't really have any interest in being in the class. Like, it was archaeology was like vaguely an interesting idea to me. But I didn't really understand, like, what you could do with it. Um, Still working on that. And, uh, I, you know, the ancient Maya was like, that's cool, but I want to learn about, like, I don't know, Egyptians or something. And then I think one of the first days of class, my professor just straight up was like, just so we're all clear, the ancient Maya did not disappear. 
They are people that are still existing. They are our 28 Mayan languages right now. And I was like, my books lied to me. Okay, so why is that myth a thing? Because I think mostly it's because of this very white western colonialist narrative white people never do anything wrong how dare you but it's this like western narrative that like oh well the people that built these things you know couldn't be these people living here now you know like oh that civilization must have died out instead of connecting the dots and realizing like oh no it's just that they don't live in big ass temples anymore not that they lived in temples anyway but you know they didn't have living temples Temples are for worship. People don't live in them. There's other big buildings, like residential buildings around the temples that they live in, but they don't live in the temples. Okay, so hold on. Usually people are buried in or under temples. So there wasn't like a Mayan king or god king or like the Egyptians have. I know nothing about any of this other than what I've seen in typical Hollywood white Mm -hmm. movies that sat on a golden throne in a temple and was like, this is my house. No. That's um, disappointing. They had very. Some of them had very big and elaborate houses, but but nobody like the temples were. If you're going to put that much effort into something, it's typically not going to be for somebody to live in. It's going to be like a statement, like climbing up those things. I don't know if you've ever climbed up Mayan I've, steps. I've been to one Mayan, but ruin. those things are terrifying to climb up. They're not fun. And so climbing up was supposed to be like a sort of. Uh, ceremonial thing, you know, it's a statement. It's getting closer to the gods. Literally, here's my mind, Dick. This right. Is what I so, felt. yeah. So it's it's not like you know people are just kind of hanging out the top, like hmm, I'm the king of the castle. Like they did that, but they didn't live up at the top. There's not much room up there. Oh. There are sometimes like small chambers and stuff, but it's yeah. for it's for like you know ceremonial things. It's okay. not for necessarily living. All right. So let's get into the question everybody wants okay. to know. Sacrificing. They did human sacrificing. This is true, right? It is, but it's kind of an over, again, an overblown thing. Um, Disappointing. Yeah, I think there's still some degree of controversy about that because, you know, it's it's all about narrative. You know what I mean? Like, there are, it's sort of like, like politics swings one way one moment and swings another way the other, you know. So it's like, you know, initially it was, oh my God, the Maya were these brutal, this brutal culture, and there's this, like, cenote of sacrifice, and a lot of that was based on uh, the, the Mayan and Aztec people that were still alive during the Did they colonial feud? time. Were they like, I'm better than you, and the other one's like, no, I'm better than you, and fight? Um, or are they just two completely different people in their own little worlds? They're kind of they're kind of different. I they probably they probably fought they're the degree to which from the, the same which, area though, right? Yeah. Uh, well, the Aztecs are usually they're further north. That's like central Mexico. Okay. And the Mayans were further south, Yucatan, and, and further south than that. So it was. Uh, but they did they did um, coincide. Like they yeah. there was trade. Uh, Teotihuacan was you know near Mexico City before like the Aztecs. Sounds a Star Aztecs. Wars name. Teotihuacan, yeah. Sir, I worked. I worked there too. Actually, Sith Lord. For a while, um, but but yeah, they, there was a lot of trade going all the way up to like California, basically, with certain crops and certain kinds of stone, uh, obsidian, and that kind of th- that kind of thing. So we do know that there were trade routes. The extent to which there, I mean, there are uh, Mayan barrios at Teotihuacan, um, but this is all you know, hundreds of years before, like, the pinnacle of Aztec society. Okay. So you got kind of a time discrepancy there. By that time, the Maya were still around, and they were still occupying some of their sites, especially further north in the Yucatan. Um, But it's not... It wasn't quite the... Uh, it wasn't like the cla- what we call the classic period Maya. That was further south, like in Guatemala, uh, around... The classic periods generally like around 100 to maybe six, six to 800 AD. Okay. So when do they make the calendar that's supposed to, that we were all supposed to die at? Like that's, cause that is like that actual, like, okay. So the Mayan calendar was a thing. Right. It, I'm again, as I'm learning, greatly overblown by white people. Cause again, well, apparently we do that shit. Uh, 
Yeah. So why? Okay. So my my question is, they made this calendar. They discovered calendars, right? That was their thing. They were amazing astronomers, like all amazing. To this day, the calendar is only like the astronomical calendar, which is what that's based on. Yeah. um, Is only like something like thirty three seconds off. Wow. Yeah, it's they're and they do this with stones and like their eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. Um, So they were. Phenomenal, phenomenal astronomers, uh, and that's what the calendar is based on. It's basically it's just a cycle. So it's you know based. There are a couple different calendars. I'm not going to get into all the explanations of all that stuff. But there's like a 240 day calendar and then a 520 day calendar. But the basic stuff, the the basis behind it is astronomy. Okay, it's like the how the stars are aligning and moving and the planets and that kind of stuff. Who taught them all that? Please say aliens. You're trying to make me mad. I'm. I'm. Uh, this is no. They. I mean. It's called show see, content. The lady. thing is, like, especially I think Americans, we have a very short concept of history, so we think that all these new technologies and things that we come up with are like, generally, as far as civilization goes. I don't even like using that word. We have done a lot very rapidly, especially in our lifetimes, right? Like, I mean, we haven't personally, but you know, we've come up with a lot of new stuff in the last 50 years. Yeah. So in our mind, it's like, oh, like there was no advancement in technologies before that, or at least not to this extent. We kind of start our notions of like civilization and like technology at its pinnacle in like the industrial age. But if you think about the fact that people are passing down information for thousands of years before we contacted them, is it really so hard to imagine that if you stare at the stars for thousands of years, you're going to come up with some shit? No. Yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of the thing is like we look at it like, oh, how did they come up with this idea? It's like logic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, I haven't been around for a thousand years, so I can't really say. Right. But I mean, and you I know, have a generally... phone that does that for me. <laughs> so well, and that's the thing is, I think because we have these devices and things that help, you know, construct our our view of of how we approach the world and how to understand it we sort of have these things already in place but realistically the idea of passing knowledge down is not a new one you know what i mean so if they're passing knowledge down for generations and generations and especially back then they had you know they treated their priests relatively well and those were sort of the people that usually were in these positions right um, to learn this stuff and to pass it on. So you kind of have these like enclaves of people that are, their whole job in life is just to learn this stuff and hmm. to progress it. I mean, that's true in the Renaissance. That's true yeah. before that. So Well, there was nothing before that. It was the Dark Ages for a thousand years, and we all stopped learning about everything except But ancient Jesus. Rome and stuff was before that. No, the, that never happened because that was, you know, before Jesus. <laughs> Again, show content, <laughs> not serious. <laughs> Oh, um, accurate. <laughs> yeah. All before Jesus. Okay, so I would say you have a passion for this stuff. Would yeah. you agree? <laughs> it waxes and wanes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yes. yeah. So when did that, like, huh, I'm going to take this class because go to Belize and figure this shit out because I don't know what I'm doing with my life, turn into this is fucking rad. I want to kind of maybe sort of keep doing Belize this. Belize was the first thing, but I think that the... The idea that got implanted in my head was in that Maya class. Like, right after I went through the whole, like, oh, my God, my books are lying to me moment, uh, my professor carried on and said, yeah, well, you have to think about things this way. Like, if you're thinking about archaeology, you're thinking about these ancient people, what, how do we know what we know, right? Like, we know it from reading it in books. I just told you that you've probably read books that said that Maya disappeared, and that's not true. Who writes books? Why do they write books? How long have people been writing books? How long have people been literate? And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Up until, like, this century, a lot of people were not literate in most places. Like, average, you know, yeah. average Joes like me and you. You know, like, a lot of people weren't literate. So only very specific people could read and write. And if you're going to go, especially in the case of the Maya, where you're carving things on stone effing monuments. You can swear. I know. Well. Okay. You can, but, look, I know. <laughs> it's called low blow fur. Yeah, reason. I know, I know. But, so, like, if you're going to go through that much stuff to have these yeah. people specialize in, like, learning how to count, learning how to read and write, doing these crazy glyphs and all this stuff, you know, true in China, true in, like, um, 
Mesopotamia, like all these different yeah. places. You're going to go through all of this hassle to to be able to read and write and to relay information for people to see. Really, what is it then? It's one of two things. Either you're basically keeping track of something, calendrics, counting, like uh, trade, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Or it's basically a power play. It's it's trying to establish something in stone in writing. Like, yes, here lies this ruler who did this awesome thing. Nobody's going to write, yeah, that guy was kind of a dick. And I would. You know. <laughs> <laughs> like... And just some guy with, like, some ancient taggers, like, no, nah, he was a dick. Thanks. But oh, that's the thing whatever. is everything had to be commissioned by the rulers. Yeah. Right? So the, the ruler himself or herself is not going to commission somebody to, to make a giant, you know, stela that says, like, yeah, this guy was kind of okay, but he really sucked at this, and he kind of had a thing for, mm, like, they're and not going to... a small penis. Yeah. Nobody's going to do that. So, I mean, that I kind really of... hope someday you find someone who did that. Like, you just, you uncover, like, reading this, is like, this guy was, this guy was kind of a dick. Well, oh, it's like the first blog. <laughs> There are kind of things like that yeah. that exist, but not not nearly to the degree that we have now. Well, obviously. no, mine didn't have social media. Imagine if they did. Just think about I mean, it. There's, like, there's always resistance, right? But the point is, with writing, you know, not a lot of people could. A handful of people knew how to write. Yeah. So you know, my professor's thing was just because it's written doesn't mean it's true. And that says it, a whole lot about the internet now. If it's written, and if it is written, you have to think about who's writing it, right? Everybody says, like, history is written by the winners. But really, it's just, like, you have to think about the motives of why somebody would write something. Yeah. And he's like, but there's a whole lot that isn't written. Think about, for example, the fact that when you think of the ancient Maya, you think about big temples. That That's maybe 5% of the population that had anything to do with those temples. The rest of the people lived everywhere else in the landscape and farmed and did, you know, whatever. No, okay. Let's. You said earlier about like they had residents, and I think, uh, I you were talking about something when you got back from Belize just recently. How you kind of discovered a suburb, right? Yeah, kind of. So did they have like little huts, or were they like, I don't want to say almost apartment buildings, but because I'm very uneducated, almost like Mayan apartment buildings, or like some of the stuff they have in like. Arizona where they're carved in the caves and it was like a communal living thing or was it like you know the suburbs were scattered so initially I thought my you know my site is uh, a little bit I don't know it's small compared to like what people think of as like the big mine cities yeah I would I think that mine is sort of an enclave within a city okay um it's like 1.2 kilometers away, which is like a third of a mile or something like that, from uh, from the big site center. Thank you me. for clearing kilometers and miles. I mean, I, that might not even be accurate. I'm not sure. It's, but I think it's, it's three point something kilometers yeah. to a mile. So anyway, but it's pretty cl- It's like a couple city blocks from yeah. the main, from like basically the, the Sears effing tower. Okay. You know what I mean? Of that area. Yeah. So it's not not part of that city. You know what I mean? Like it's not unaffiliated. They're too close to the ruling populace to not really be noticed. It's not what, you know, a lot of a lot of Mayanists especially call things like the hinterlands, meaning like, you know, kind of far out in a ways, mostly farmer communities and that kind of stuff. Still elites, you know, hanging out there and controlling a lot of the stuff in one way or another. Um, but I'm pretty much right in the right in the city. I think it's like sort of a I, I was calling it like a blue collar neighborhood in a city. Yeah. Um, but I don't even know if that's accurate now because I've, you know, after excavations this year, kind of d- d- discovered that um, basically there aren't really any houses there. It looks like it's mostly a, a workplace, like a, a quarry, and that they're doing a lot of stone working there, uh, hmm. but on a on multiple scales. Like if you look down the hillside, you see, you know these giant, giant, like, steel-sized stones that are just sitting on the hillside that are not attached to the bedrock that are, but have obviously been worked and sort of a carved out, like, um, like, concave area that looks like it would, they were quarrying it right out of the side of the hill. Hmm. 
And everything I found there so far suggests that that's what they were doing there. Um, and they were, it looks like they were quarrying for a couple different things. So I, you know, I found one building that may or may not be a residence. Uh, but other than that, everything else looks like basically work, workspaces and platforms for people to, to work and or um, administrative structures for like overseeing things. So it wasn't all slavery. It was actually like, hey, I'm going to work for the day, punch out nine to five, or did they, or? I think, so they they did take slaves. We have uh, codices and other kinds of, well, not so much the codices, but we have uh, iconography, you know, the depictions on walls and different stila and that kind of stuff that shows, uh, and pottery, actually. Stila a lot of it's on, rock? Yeah, basically okay. huge carved rock, uh, standing stones. Okay. Um. And so we have that kind of stuff in a lot of pottery, painted pottery, where we see these kinds of images. And we, so from that, we imagine, and especially once you sort of corroborate it with uh, studying bones and burials and that kind of stuff from around major sites, uh, we're pretty sure that they had slaves. They took slaves from, you know, conquest and from whatever they were doing. Well, what are they conquesting if they're the Each only other. kind of... There were many Maya kingdoms that wasn't unified. Okay, so... And, like... and Teotihuacan. I mean, Teotihuacan came and, and put in uh, a lot of a lot of the ancient Maya rulers from that period, from the classic period that I was talking about, came from Teotihuacan. So they were kind of installing people in some of these and bigger Teotihuacan's cities. Teotihuacan's not a dude. Teotihuacan, no, it's a city. Okay, I thought it was a dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo, my name's no. Teod, someone or other huge. That's Teo to you. Your name is Toby. Sorry. Yeah. No, um. uh, no, it's another city in central Mexico. <laughs> okay. That is not culturally the same as the Maya, but there's a lot of things that overlap. Uh, and they traded together. Like there's, like I said, there's a, a Mayan barrio in there's there's a, there's another culture yeah. of not Mayan Mayans. Mm-hmm. And the and the the more on the more ancient end, the Mayans overlapped with the Olmec. I thought the Olmec were mm-hmm. not the same. They are not the same. Well, that's also contested. Some people say that the Olmec was the mother culture for all of Mesoamerican culture. Like okay. basically, the the ideas that started with the Olmec branched out and became like Teotihuacan and the Maya and all this other stuff. But other people have other people tend to be like no that's not right to say that we don't know that so it's it's a debate it's highly debated right now what do you think um i don't have an opinion to you're be a liar it's it's that's sort of out of my wheelhouse um you can make a judgment based on your knowledge it's uh, what do you want it to be i don't want it to be anything i don't you want it to be like <laughs> these guys came from this and everything branched out because they're the you know how some folks say, oh, we all came from Africa because that was the cradle of life and then we spread. Well, clearly we didn't or maybe we did. Well, I think culture is fluid, right? Like, yeah. So it changes and it warps over time. It's like, you know, think about languages and how those develop over time. Very short periods of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like you wouldn't call French Spanish even though they're related. They are? I, I, honestly, I didn't know that. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I never, I never had it to take all, a language yeah, in high the, school. The, the Latin languages. Well, I, I figured Latin came from like Latin, Latin, mm-hmm. but I didn't know French was a derivative of Latin. I mean, I assumed Spanish was. Yeah, and then and Italian. Like, also, I assume yeah. Italian, but I like French is just like Italian and Spanish. Some words overlap, and the French are like, oh, we 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 like no not shave bits and oh. Like, they're just angry all the time. And, like, you get the Spaniards and the Italians. It's like, yeah, we're all right. Part of that is a lot of other things, too. I started actually researching more about, like, the different cultures that were, uh, you know, different in the, the Dark Ages. or the Wait, there's no... There, there's other cultures other than... What? No, yeah. kidding. But um, I actually just started uh, learning more about, like, um, sort of the medieval period and Dark Ages in Europe. Because I, I realized at some point, like, wow, I know all of this about, like... The ancient history and like you know, pre-colonial history of the Americas. I don't know anything about Europe. <laughs> Europe sucks. They're all like close together and they well, I was don't in, I was shave. Inter- I was interested in where like my own my own family yeah. people came from because I realized like they were not originally from Europe and I was like, oh, where are your well, what the hell? Who are the Mudgers? What what does that mean? Yeah, where are you? Like, cause I'm, I I know my lineage up until, um somewhere in the dark ages and like dutch royalty 
like somewhere That's over there. Yeah, like we somebody in my mom's side of the family just they just kept like they just kept taking diligent notes. Yeah. And diligent notes and I mean, records. I mean, I can't and, trace my family's history back prior to maybe my great-grandparents on both sides. Yeah. Um, I think if I looked into it more, I probably could, but I haven't had a chance yet. And especially on the Hungarian side, I, you have to be able to read Hungarian, and I cannot. But you so, can cook it. That's true. Yes, you can. So, so anyway. Back back to... So you go to Belize, first time, it becomes a passion. You learn all this stuff. Well, it it was, like I said, it was sort of like this this idea that, like, wow, there's a... You know, in Occupy was happening at the same around the same time. And it was like this: oh, only like the one percent, only five percent of the Maya is what we really know anything about. What about all these other people? And like the social justice warrior in my heart and soul was just like delighted at this notion of like we can use science to correct that balance. That's awesome. So it, basically, I thought about it as like using science to tell the stories of like the untold stories yeah. of these people. You know, and of people now. We can use archaeology to do that right now. But, um, and given, like, we are not scientists. We use scientific methods. I have to clarify. So nobody in AAA is going, like, we are not scientists! I promise you <laughs> no other people that claim to anything about science listens to this episode <laughs> or any of them on our eight podcasts on this sh- network. Um, but yeah, anyway, so like it was the idea of like trying to tell untold stories. Yeah. And it just seemed more badass in a lot of ways than other areas of anthropology, which I don't think is true anymore. But but still, there's that sort of like, you know, part of me, I guess, that was like totally just stoked about going out to a jungle with a machete and learning like yes you have to learn how to use a machete to do this job i'm like Fuck sign yes. me up yeah. sign me up i want to learn yes, how to use a machete yes, in the jungle yes please now at any time and you could lie and say yes but i hope you don't have to lie okay when you're down there and you're digging around in the dirt and you're doing your research are you are you going in the back of your mind because I do that anytime I go through a yellow light. So Indiana Jones is a grave robber. First. He was an archaeologist that just procured things to save them, to put them into a, uh, a museum that was not the cultures he was stealing from. Without the context of the <coughs> object, it means nothing. He was saving it from you Nazis. You still learn a lot from him, but without the... Like, con- context is pretty much everything in anthropology. If you don't understand... If you don't know... Where it came from. If you can't put it back in that grid and in the context of its own time and place, it it ceases to really be a productive means of of learning something for us. There's too many unknowns then. So you can't definitively say anything from the the object itself because you have no uh, no context, no no way to talk about what it is or where it came from. Because context, kids, is important. Always for everything. Which is why no one should take anything I say out of context. Um, which, because that gets me in trouble. <laughs> um, okay, so next question. Because we, you know, we got about 15, 20 minutes left. Okay. Um, when you're digging around down there. Because I'm assuming you're digging. Yes. And like things with brushes. There's lots of other things we do besides zig. Like discover the sites in the first place. Um, Once you discover the site. Yeah. Then you have to dig. Yeah, well, you don't have to dig to be an archaeologist. But, yes, usually excavation is the major method that we use Thank to you. do our job. So digging. Yes. Um, <clears throat> what do you... Okay, so what do you hope to find? And what are some things that you're like... So you get to you get to a site and you're like, oh, I hope... Like, I don't know what's here, but this is kind of what we're looking for. This is kind of what we're going in. So what do you hope to find, and then what things, or one thing, or many things, or all the things, do you go, like, holy shit, this should not be here, and there's a reason for this here, there's a context reason for this here, but it should not be here based on the knowledge we have. It's a cool find that we actually found it, even though we don't think it's supposed to be here. I feel like most of archaeology is that way. Um, I mean, I would hope so. Yeah. Otherwise, it'd be really boring. (laughs) Um... What do I hope to find in terms of like at like my specific site, or you go to a you go to a site in general, uh-huh. right? You're there for like or a section of your site that you're there for the first time. So okay, like let me put it this way: we don't hope to find anything specific. 
We have an educated guess about what we think we're going to find. Yes, that's what educated guess. And we guess. hope that we're right. Okay. Uh, mostly because if we're not, and we usually aren't, um, we then have more, a lot more work to do. So what are, okay, so in this educated guess, what okay. are the, like, are you, you're looking for like a so-called Mayan toothbrush, you know, you're looking <laughs> for stuff. What are you looking for? Uh, and then are hopefully, that are, then you're hopeful that those things are there. So usually you go into it with, so there's, okay, let me clarify one thing real quick. There are like two major kinds of archaeology or okay. two like a dividing line. Yeah. Basically, there's uh, research oriented archaeology, which or, is what or I academic understand a lot archaeology. of it. Right. But there's also cultural resource management archaeology, basically uh, private almost. And well, actually, no, park services and stuff have employees archaeologists. Basically, these are people that come in when stuff is found. And has to kind of like survey the area, excavate and clarify like what was going on there. Is this like a burial site? Is this a site of cultural significance? And anything of cultural significance they have to remove carefully with, you know, context. Yes. So that we can learn from it if we choose to do so. Okay. Um, so that is one of the major ways of being employed as an archaeologist. Uh, but I'm an academic, currently an academic archaeologist, obviously, working on my PhD. Uh, so what we do is based on research, right? So like you read a lot and you study all this stuff, you write a bunch of papers, you figure out like, okay, based on these said things, you know, in my case, I was initially wanting to talk about water management and initially wanting to, uh, my, my notion was that if I traced out sort of these elaborate water management features, even in, you know, more residential or sort of like basically the boonies yeah uh you're gonna find that sites are actually connected what we call a site like the bounds that we put on these things are arbitrary okay you know like you would have to do a whole lot of ground truthing and dig like you know basically very systematic sampling from where you're working outward to figure out like where uh artifacts drop off but in an area as populated as where we work it's very difficult to do that with any success. And a lot of the cases, like, you know, the Maya swept things off, off their patio areas. They would dispose of their stuff somewhere else. If the stuff's not there for you to find, how do you know that they weren't there? How do you know they weren't working there or living there or whatever if you don't have the artifacts to show you that, right? So yeah. like, we can only know as much as we can know. We can only base what we th- what we think about on what we're finding so we can't really know for sure any of this stuff which is why we're not scientists um but the idea for me was maybe if we started looking at the water systems in this area uh maybe we'll be able to kind of determine a little bit better it's i thought it might be a better way of tracing out how sites are interrelated okay um, rather than like, oh, this guy brought than just his saying, stuff like, from over oh, here. Oh, here's the site. I'm calling this the site. I'm calling the site this. I'm going to dig up the site and figure out what it is. I thought like, I, you know, I tend to be more of a landscape person and trying to look at how things are interwoven together as opposed to like finding out one thing about one place. Um, so that's that was where I was going with that. But that kind of led me into an issue where like you're a graduate student and you don't have a lot of funding. You kind of need a team of people and total stations and all this expensive equipment to do that kind of stuff. And I don't so have So you went that. for like the most <laughs> difficult thing you can yeah. possibly imagine. Because you're like, I'm fucking Nikki D, damn it. I'm going to do this. I went to a crazy school. I'm from Chicago. Here's my fucking proverbial science, not scientistic. And then realized, oh, wait, I can't afford any and that's, of this. And that's the thing I think like, you know, even I was, I was coming to that realization after my, you know, second or so field season uh my professors were like yeah it's a pretty pretty common graduate student mistake you're like i'm gonna write this dissertation and solve all the problems of my existence and like they're like it's pretty typical to do that so like don't worry about it but yeah you might need to like narrow it down a little bit i was like okay so but what what i ended up with like the site that i am working at right now um there were a couple little things that looked like small res. I was trying to scale it down. Yeah. F- saw a couple little mounds when I was brought there. It was another archaeologist that actually was, that did like a small transect, which is just like a straight cut line in, in a s- specified direction. Yeah. And then basically she was just surveying any mounds that she found within a couple meters from the transect line. Just to kind of. Six feet. Yeah. 
Yes. Ah, I did it. I did it. Couple, yeah. More than, it was more than that, but nevertheless. Six and um, a half. About 15. Fine, 15. So. Show off. So, <laughs> so she was basically just trying to record stuff from, you know, it takes a lot of uh, human work, like power to. Yeah. Cut a line through a rainforest. It's a lot of work. It's very time consuming. So if and to do it without like destroying the environment around right, it. Right. Right. So because you can go in there with a bulldozer and just be like, "Fuck it, done." There, were, America. there was a geological survey, so she she followed them out and um, basically was mapping just anything she saw within those parameters from the transect. So she was showing me a couple different places when I was looking for a location to look for water management stuff, and she said, "Hey, I have this one. So I I think there's this couple mound group I found." Over here, and there looked like there was one small aguada, which is like a reservoir, basically. A okay, so reservoir. what are the mounds? Are they just piles of stuff, or are they just, they just covered in... They just, just look, look like a little mound covered in brush. Uh, you, they are very, especially How do you know it's just not a pile of dirt? The kind, you don't. <laughs> I see. Well, actually, goes. you kind of... You get a sense of it after a while, because there are, especially... On, I'm on the top of a hill. There are stone outcrops that are... Could be nothing, could be something. Could be, could be natural, but modified and used by the Maya anyway. Huh. So, and that's what I'm mostly working with. So it's a lot harder for me to say with any certainty, like, yes, this is a Mayan thing. Yes, they have definitely, like, I have to be able to demonstrate somehow that they modified the thing in order for most archaeologists to accept that they were using it. And I'm going, if it's there, why would you not use it? Like, it's... But you just can't definitively say, like, yes, they were using the space as this. Like, you don't know that. You have to find, arch- like, ar- uh, artifacts in, within, you know, the borders of it or on it or something like that to be able to say that. Anyway. So, in other words, you're looking for a river, and on the side of the river, you're basically looking for, like, a fishing pole, a can of beer, and a cigarette butt. Yes. Yeah. In a fucking jungle. Yeah. Yeah. So, you see a river, but you can't be sure they're fishing th- until you... Yeah. 8,000 years ago. Yeah. I'm throwing out an arbitrary number because it's, it's, like, three, yeah. whatever. Um, Fuck. Why? Yeah. Why do this? Like, what's the reason behind it? I wish I could answer that question. <laughs> it just seems like... Because I like to drive myself insane. Well, yeah. You hang out with all of us. Yeah. So, that's so, clearly, clearly the reasoning. But yeah, I was looking for a smaller site that had water features attached to it. And so I thought, oh, okay, a couple small mounds. They weren't real big. So I knew like, okay, this isn't going to be like a huge thing. And uh, I was like, okay, and then there's a small aguada. I can do this. This is doable for a graduate and research It's just project. you by yourself doing this. Well, no, I have like, I have a team and students and all kinds so of stuff. So you lead the team then? Yeah. Okay, so you go out there, you're like, I've, you're shown this mound, you're like, okay, this is small enough for me and the group of minions I have to take care of this. Yeah, my thing is I never know how many I'm going to get, so it's like, it's a crapshoot. Some years I could have two, some years I and have And where like do these 15, like minions come from? Uh, so we, we usually, so I work under a, under a, another, like the whole, the bigger project. Okay. Um, and... They have certain funding for graduate students and that kind of stuff to do research there. Uh, so I'm covered under their um, permits. I'm covered under their title. I'm technically affiliated with that school while I'm there. Um, and it's a field school. So that's where I did my field school at. Okay. Uh, which so is- at one point you were a minion. And yes. now that you go back, yes. now you're a m- more, important min- yeah. more important minion. Now I'm the boss. Not the boss of the whole king, although sometimes I am. I believe all of that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I believe... Well, there's, uh, like, you know, the the director sometimes is going back and forth between the state. He's going to Belize City to deal with permit stuff and whatnot. So uh, my friend is basically his second-in-command when he's not around, and I'm under her. So, like, I'm second-in-command when he's gone, I guess. I don't know. Kind of. So you're, like, data. To his Picard, to his yeah, record. sure, sure, yeah, sure. I'm putting it in like terms that. some people can understand. Yeah, yeah, got it. Um, uh, yeah. So then we usually get a couple uh, Belizean guys that come and help us out. We pay them uh, to come work with us, especially because, frankly, our gringo asses would get ourselves dead if we did not have them working with us. Uh, especially uh, like you know some of the more seasoned archaeologists. 
are knowledgeable enough to know all kinds of things and have enough field, clocked enough field hours basically to not get themselves hurt or killed. Uh, but in my situation, no matter how many years I've been going there, like it's still not nearly enough. You can never anticipate all the things you're going to do, come across. Do you have to worry about like grave robbers and stuff? Yes, we do. That is a thing. Because, I mean, you're finding legit artifacts. Yes. Are you finding That's like, why I'm being very vague about where I work no, and all that stuff. No, that's absolutely yeah. okay. <laughs> I, I, I gathered that much. Also, but, because, like, you know, generally just out of respect to the Belizean government, yeah. I don't want other people to find out about what's going on. I pro- I can't <laughs> get my listeners to send in a, like, a th- like, hey, we're actually listening text message on Facebook. <laughs> so... I guarantee you, no one listening to this show is going to fly down to Belize to rob a grave. But yes, I understand why yeah. you're being vague. And we've had that discussion before. Um, so. But yeah, there are there are people. And the unfortunate thing is a lot, of, a lot of the times it's the people that we work with. Because they know where it is. Or like they tell somebody who tells somebody. Um, or it's people that formerly worked with Does any us. of this stuff actually worth anything? Fuck no. I mean, most of it, no. Um... But people still go and try to do it anyway. A lot. Sometimes they, they sometimes they die trying because they like try. You know they don't really understand. Sometimes, sometimes they're trying to do things very quickly, and they're tunneling into a bigger building, and then it collapses on them. Um, every year we hear stories about that from our our worker dudes that hang out with us, help us out down there. So, well, like Bobo just built it, fall on him. That's my terrible <laughs> generic non-American accent. Yeah. It's um. So uh, the big question is, what's the point? Like, why is this important? Why does should anyone care about a dead-ish civilization? Uh, and I say ish because there's still people living. Right. Well, that's to me that's the biggest reason. Um, I mean, we could get into like a philosophical debate about knowledge for the sake of knowledge. Not this podcast. It's a different show. Yeah. Not this one. Uh, Well, I'm just saying like, you know, is there a reason not to know more things? I don't know. You know, but to me. Like, how does this benefit outside of like, we should learn from our history, obviously, to continue not make. There's all those kinds of more like esoteric reasons that I'm not going to get into. To me, the the clear. There are two okay. in my specific case that I can think of. One, it stands for any Mayan archaeologist or Central American archaeologist, and it's because you're dealing with a population that is alive and is very disenfranchised and is very un- like very cut off from their own history. And right now, like especially with the tourist industries, the tourist industries max out on that stuff. These countries make a ton of money on tourist industries geared toward people that are coming to see Mayan sites and all this other stuff, and yet the actual Mayan people living there sometimes don't even identify as Mayan because they're afraid because they've had witch hunts for years and years and years, uh, genocides, civil wars. Um, that have On Mayan? Why? Yeah. Guatemala, come on. I, don't, I yeah, honestly yeah, yeah. don't know. No, there's, there's been civil wars or just belief or in just, Guatemala. Like, there's, oh, that's more governmental stuff. That's not be like, oh, because he's a man. No, like, but it, some of it is. Guatemala, that happened. Mexico, that's happened. So it's... Huh. And, and I mean, this is within the last hundred years. That doesn't yeah. even... like I'm not even talking about way back from colonial times when yeah, we're yeah. literally trying to wipe people out. You know what I mean? So it's... A lot of it is trying to kind of like... In my mind sort of you can never correct what has happened to these people to the north native americans or to anybody else yeah. right like that what's done is done but we can definitely give them a way to take back their own culture at least that much more and i feel like anybody deserves that you know what i mean like a lot of people are sort of disconnected from their heritage, their roots, their country, their national, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, be displaced from wars and all kinds I mean, of things. And it says and a I lot think of anybody, any human being yeah. would want that. And it says a lot of like that's the thing, and we, without actually going into it because that's a completely different conversation. It's the thing that bugs me about like right now what's happening here. We're like, oh, immigrants are terrible, dude. You're an immigrant. Your yeah. family's an immigrant. Like. My mom's side of family came over the Mayflower. Dude, you They're go still back far enough, man. And everybody's an immigrant to everyone. Yeah. Like, it's not... Nobody really stayed where they started off. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a matter of perspective in in terms of time and place. But, 
it's yeah so to me it's it's mostly just you know and a lot of it for me too is trying to get people to cling on like to glom onto it enough for them to be active participants like what we want is mayan archaeologists we want mayans to be writing their own damn history yeah instead of you know white people having to come in and do it for them still and that's that's like not the goal that i started off as the goal i mean archaeology and anthropology was part of colonialism yeah it's that went hand in hand so it's you can't deny that fact and that a lot of what we do is still colonialist but we i think to me I wanted to make it better. Like I, I stuck with it this long because I want to see it get better. But the only way I'm going to do that is if you know I'm part of the, if I'm if I am at least in the crowd, like the you know club long enough for people to listen to what I have to say. Yeah, and to figure it out, man, it's a big, it's like a huge problem, it's a conundrum, and it's something we all kind of struggle with, and we're not really sure how to make it better. But the only way we're going to figure that out is by kind of uh, keeping these lines of communication open with local communities and with, you know, with the rest of the world. So the problem is we're not very good at advertising. We are the worst marketers ever. So, you know, you go and do like a job interview and you're like, oh, what's your background in anthropology? What the fuck is that? Yeah. So it's, <laughs> uh, so part of it is all of those things, yeah. right? It's this, it's, but it's mostly for me um, being able to, write the history that's untold or, or give people a way to connect to their untold history anyway, especially because as you know, colonials, we cut them off from it. We, we put them in schools and made them, you know, completely, even now, even in mine communities that, you know, are practicing their own, you know, sort of like ceremonies and have their own belief systems and still kind of have this link to, to those older beliefs in some ways. Um, if you go in and talk to them about, it, they're like, "No, we're Christian," and you're like, mm. "They just came in and ruined everything." Yeah, so they really did. I'm also pretty sure we have no Christian listeners. Yeah, so fuck well, them. And you know, and if we do, whatever. To me, it kind of gets back to the root of why I think anthropology is important in the in the first place, which is uh, we. I feel like the more you know about culture and history the more ways you have to solve the same problem. It's like having more options. It's like going to the store and instead of just getting grape jelly every day, you have like like 40 different kinds of fucking stuff to choose from. But especially right now, like in the society we live in now, I see it as a way, like ways to access other ways of, of knowing, other ways of thinking, other ways of seeing the same situation from a different perspective which I think is increasingly important in a global community. All right. What's up, Deepness? So I have two <laughs> last questions. One I've okay. been begging to ask you for years, and I never got around them. Oh, and at my site, the answer is technology. Because ancient technology is better than some of the technology we use right now. I don't know. Can ancient Mayan technology give me unlimited access to porn? I don't think so. Well, I will tell you this. You know, on our family's resort where I got married... Yeah. Every Which year, is bitching, by the way. We keep losing our beachfront and the, the hillside because we deforested it. And so now all of that slope just keeps running and washing into the water. Let me tell you, the Mayans have an answer to that problem. Do they? Dude, yeah. They were terracing masters. There you go. Terracing masters. Um, what is your tattoo? Uh, my tattoo is the Mayan world tree. It's from Lord Pakal's tomb in Palenque, which is in Mexico, uh, one of the big water sites. Um, but the it's basically the, the bigger version of it is Pakal falling into the underworld and the world tree is kind of, you know, in the in there somewhere. Because the world tree's kind of been around in multiple different cultures. Oh, yeah, cultures. yes. It's actually like, really interesting. It's pretty much global. Um, yeah. So it's... So at some point there's a big fucking tree. yeah. Like yeah. there has to have been. Oh yeah, a big fucking trees. Seva trees are the big, the big fucking trees in, yeah. in Central America. Um, so they believe that just like you know the Nords or even at, apparently the ancient Hungarians, uh, the the you know the the branches of the tree hold up the sky. The trunk of the tree is in the realm of like the earth, basically, yeah. and then the roots reach into the underworld. 
So it always sort of acts as like a passageway and a portal and a place of power between realms. Hmm. And uh, like, so a lot of things um, in in the Maya world are sort of connected to this idea of world tree. Temples, uh, bodies of water, pools of water, caves, all these things are sort of connected to the, the idea of the world tree and, and these sort of uh, portals between realms. Last question, okay. and then we'll let you go. And this, by far, is probably the most important question anyone's ever asked. Okay. You. Okay? And we ask it, Dave's not here, but I usually ask it, of anyone that ever comes on the podcast. Mm-hmm. All of this comes from a real story. Okay. okay? So, if you were arrested with 225 pounds of cocaine in the back of your pickup truck and were hauled off to prison, what three things would you smuggle in your ass into prison now here's the caveat okay the ass thing is a real thing someone smuggled a bunch of stuff in a cigarette thing into prison that's where it comes from and okay. the so i've since altered the parameters for this question you cannot use anything to escape from prison okay because the prison you are in there is for life it's you can't escape all your food's taken care of. Any education that you I want. wouldn't have even occurred to me to, right. to do that. I would have felt so guilty that I would have just accepted that I was going to die in there. Um. And, <laughs> and as a Doctor Who fan, you have unlimited things you can put in there. So, like, Dave Rowan put a whole person. So, it doesn't matter what. You can okay. put the Eiffel Tower and it's not... Okay, so it, it doesn't have to... Okay. It, it doesn't have to be this it's, big. It's the TARDIS. Yeah, right. basically, it's bigger on the inside. Got it. All right. Oh, boy. What three things... <laughs> it's a hard question. Yeah, it is a hard question. And while she's thinking, before we let go, um, please be sure to check out all the other shows in the FCF network. There are eight of them. It's too many if you ask me, but that's okay. Um, go to fcfnetwork.com. Go out and check out all your favorite podcasting apps for any of the following. Um us, the Lobo Podcast, Couch Pilots, Let's Try This, Drunken Lullabies, um, the new shows, B-Movie Breakdown, Hyper Uppercut, and The Metal Hand of God, who I just listened to today and was actually not terrible. Um, so, okay, time's up. Okay, so <laughs> probably uh, one of the necklaces I wear all the time is... Um, blown glass with my brother's ashes in it okay so i'd probably bring that I'd, with me I, i'm gonna let you have that one so you don't have to pick that one okay like that i understand why okay uh so i was just assuming you were gonna wear that okay so you don't have to have that that's a freebie okay i then just fucked up your whole thing didn't i yeah pretty much uh like a pen and paper probably so i could draw and write things maybe my kindle so i have things to read um and a harmonica because like there's way like that's the most legit way to learn how to play harmonica <laughs> that there prison. is <laughs> how'd you learn how to play harmonica i went to prison bro <laughs> i went to prison real good cool yeah that's it it was your first podcast yeah it wasn't was. horrible was no, it? no it wasn't i know it's because i'm awesome uh do you have any social media people are allowed to find you on do you want to plug anything is there anything we should be talking about last no night before you leave? no no um even if I knew what my hand, I don't know what my hand. Go read some shit about the minds. That's you know for reals. Yeah. Also, get, get educated. So yeah, support archaeologists and anthropologists because we're all we're all starving. All of them. <laughs> Actually, I just had burritos, so I'm not. But I'm not any one of those. Um, please be sure to check us out every Thursday on iTunes and the FCF Network. You guys be excellent to each other. Have a week. You can say bye. It's bye. Okay. All right. <laughs>